Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. The gospel text today is known as the missionary discourse. Jesus is commissioning his disciples to go out into the world as laborers in the harvest. He will commission his disciples two other times after his resurrection. But this commissioning is very different from the other two, more foundational, in my opinion, to what the work of the church is really about. Jesus calls his disciples to cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, and cast out demons. Notice he doesn't say anything here about teaching or even baptizing. That comes after the resurrection. But here he is focused on the right now. The people need healing today. They don't need an eschatological hope of the future. They need salvation right now. The Greek verb used here to cure is therapo. It's the same word for restore, meaning to restore to health, to serve, to heal. And that verb, therapo, comes from the noun therapon, which is a willing servant, someone who is a faithful attendant, one who voluntarily serves another. And it means one who adores or worships God. So this was said about Moses. He was a faithful therapon of the people of God. So think of it this way. Our willingness to serve and to heal and to restore others to God is also an act of worship. In the Catechism of the Book of Common Prayer, it says the mission of the Christian faith is to restore all people to unity with God and to one another. Was that Edda? Hi, Edda. So the Episcopal Church believes that the primary task of our life with God is to bring restoration, to bring unity to God. So Jesus is calling his disciples to worship their God by bringing the people back to God's self through loving, compassionate relationships with one another. And friends, Jesus is calling us, his church, to do this healing work also. Because as the church, we are the living manifestations of Christ's body. Our relationships, our love, our bodies together is what makes God's healing possible. Now this is an extraordinary thing. It's a gift, really. That Christ calls us to participate in the life of God in the world by activating this restorative work the healing work of God's love in our relationships. I hope this reminds you of what I was talking about the Trinity a couple weeks ago, that life with God is about loving relationships. The only problem about this work, Jesus warns us, is that it's risky work because it is embodied work. And being is a, in a body, well... 
It's risky. I'll never forget when dad had to take me to the ER in high school because I got hit by a pitch, severely broke and dislocated my thumb, but my parents kept letting me play regardless of the risk because, well, that's just part of the game and she'll learn. I broke my thumb again the following summer, so I didn't learn very well, but... But you all know what I mean here. You've experienced this, right? You know what to risk in a body looks like. Think about watching your kids drive away in their car the first day they turn 16. Or think about the first time your kid leaves home to go to college or to start a new job. Parents, you know this anxiety all too well. It's scary, it's risky, but it's so worth it. That gift of freedom, it offers to your child to go live that life that God has given them and live it to the fullest. And we'll come back to this. But that section that um, Deacon Tracy read was part of the omitted text for today. I appreciate her reading that because this is the part where Jesus warns us that he's sending us out like sheep into the midst of wolves. That we will, he's saying that we're going to experience oppression, condemnation, and even death for doing this healing work God has given us to do. We will be sacrificing ourselves for the greater kingdom of God, but those who endure to the end, Jesus said, they will receive their salvation. And to be sure, Jesus was right. I think all but one of the disciples was martyred. Now this might not sound like good news right away, but stay with me. You see, suffering and pain, they are part of this divine pattern that we are living out in the life of God. There is no resurrection without death, there's no life without the struggle of birth. There's no day without night. There is no light without darkness. See, we need the binary to see everything in the middle. That's where the richness is. That's where life to the full is experienced, in the middle, where God does the work that only God can do, making all things new, bringing all things back, together into unity, back into God's self. The Western mind has this strange, strange tendency to make everything binary have a value judgment. So everything's either good or bad. Suffering's bad, healing's good, dark is bad, light is good. But this isn't it. This is not our faith. These things simply are. They're part of life. Suffering just is. In fact, I don't think God's healing work means there won't be suffering involved. Jesus is actually saying suffering and risk is part and parcel of what it means to be a disciple in the world. Remember during Lent when I said suffering is the midwife to salvation? Same thing happening here that Jesus is trying to reveal to us. And Paul takes it a step further. He says we should welcome suffering. He said, let us boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, endurance produces character, and character produces hope. And hope does not disappoint us. 
because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And to say this differently, there is great dignity in suffering and risk. The ability to go into the world full of autonomy and experience all that life has to offer, the light, the dark, and everything in between is what makes us children of God. This is a gift. And as the old adage says, no risk, no reward. Suffering and risk should signal to us that God is about to reveal something remarkable. Salvation is near. But if we mitigate risk at every turn and shield ourselves from the hard parts of that gift that God has given us, we limit our ability to grow, grow our character, produce endurance, and share that hope of the healing power of the Holy Spirit that's been put into our hearts. See, we cannot embody Christ's body in the world without suffering. We are called to live out Christ's death Excuse me, we're called to live out Christ's life and his death and his resurrection and his ascension. All of this is part of the pattern of the divine life with God. So in order to do that, we must experience all of it to fulfill our mission as Christ's church. And who wants a priest, by the way, leading a community who hasn't suffered? What good would we be to you if we couldn't relate to your pain, your experiences? We'd have nothing to say. We wouldn't be trustworthy either, I don't think. No, I think you want a priest who will walk into a COVID room and bring you last rites and hold your hand and risk her life so you can end yours in dignity and grace. And she does this because she has done it before for her own family. She knows pain, so she's the most capable of holding yours. Friends, that's the work of the church. The collective dignity of shared life requires the risk of self-emptying labor of your love. The love of the therapon, the healer. Because there is much harvest to labor. So let us labor and love together to heal the world. For you received without payment, so give without payment. Amen.